You're listening to Blaze, the go-to podcast for trailblazing entrepreneurs and anyone passionate about doing business differently. My name is Megan, and together with my guests, I'm pulling back the curtain to bring you the conversations that normally happen behind closed doors. We're sharing practical tips, no BS advice, and inspiring stories to remind you that no matter where you are on your business journey, you're not in this alone. Welcome to our community. Welcome to the Blaze Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the show. Today we are talking about websites and specifically how to make your website work harder so that you don't have to. And I know we all want our websites to be beautiful and that's important, but we also want them to work for us, right? To make sales and grow our businesses, which is exactly what our guest today is going to teach us how to do. Corrine Pettit is a strategic website designer for online service-based entrepreneurs, agencies, and educators. And in an era of pretty websites that sit around collecting dust, Corrine uses her strategy-first approach to design beautiful websites that crush industry conversion standards. So in this conversation, we get super tactical about small tweaks you can make to your website that will have a big impact on your conversions. And this is a really fun conversation because Corrine's a designer, I'm a copywriter, and we both love the strategy side of things. So you get to hear about how you can improve your website conversions from both a layout perspective, design, and copywriting. And no need to outsource because these are super easy changes you can make on your own right away as soon as you finish listening to this episode. You also get to hear about Corrine's story, including why she left behind her engineering career to pursue web design and how a trip to Applebee's changed her life forever. I love this story and I love everything that Corrine has to share in this episode. You guys are going to find it so, so helpful. So I can't wait for you to hear it. And without further ado, let's dive in. Corrine, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited for this. Thank you. Oh, I can't wait to talk. Oh, me too. I've been looking forward to this for, for weeks now since we first connected, and you're just such a great person to have on this show, and I know listeners are going to get so much from this conversation. So let's kick things off with a bit of background on you and your origin story, because you have, I think, a really fun story, some parallels to my own. So do you want to tell everyone what were you doing before you started your business and what led you into entrepreneurship? Yes. Oh, it is a fun story. It was funny when we first connected and we were talking about that. I was like, wow, we have such unique but similar backgrounds. So I started out going down the path of engineering. I was in undergrad. I loved it. I took a four-year degree in engineering and decided I was going to move into graduate school because I loved it. Like, why not keep going? And where I went to school for grad school, it was year round. So that summer of grad school, two friends who were really just acquaintances at the time told me that they were going on a trip to Peru and Ecuador. And they're like, you should come. And I was kind of like, why, like, why would I want to do that? Like, I don't really know much about Peru or Ecuador. Honestly, at the time, I probably couldn't even have told you like what continent they were on. Like travel was just not a part of my life at that time. Um, and they were like, all right, well, why don't we go to Applebee's and have half priced happy hour appetizers and margaritas. And then they start showing me pictures of all the things they're going to be doing. And I was just like, wow, this is absolutely beautiful. Like I, they just sold me. And next thing I know, I'm calling my parents and I'm like, Hey guys, I think I'm going to go to 
South America for five weeks. And they were like, okay, like, sure. So we went on the trip and it was incredible. And one of the icebreakers throughout the trip, I don't know why this was the case, but one of the common icebreakers among travelers was like, where are you from and how long are you traveling for? And so me being from the U.S., I say I'm from the U.S. and that I'm traveling for five weeks. And time and time again, people were like, oh, like five weeks, like just five weeks. And I was like, what do you mean? Here I am thinking I'm Little Miss World Traveler because nobody I know has ever gone on a trip or a vacation for five weeks. And everyone we're meeting is like, yeah, I'm traveling for five months or I'm traveling for a year. And I was just like blown away. Never heard of such a thing. I didn't even like that never crossed my mind as something that was possible. Um, So that kind of like planted the seed for me, like in my brain as like kind of opening the door to this is something new that I've never heard of. And after our trip, I go back to grad school. I finish grad school. I get into my career where had I been able to like draw out the perfect job, that's really what it was. And I quickly just started to realize how much that like 10 days of vacation a year was just not going to work for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like eating at me. And I'm just thinking back to this trip and all these people that are traveling and seeing different countries and having these incredible experiences. And I'm like, 10 days. Cool. Like 10 (laughs) days for the rest of my life, like every year, maybe 15, some in 10 years, like who knows how long it takes to get there. And so that kind of festered in my brain a little bit. And the friends that I went on the trip with were like, let's start a travel blog. Like we should start a travel blog. And they couldn't figure out the website, flopped it in my lap. And they're like, you figure it out. And I was like, well, how am I supposed to figure that out? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm an engineer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I started playing around with it and realized it's actually kind of fun. And I, I don't remember how, but it came to me that people might pay me for this. Like, this is something I might be able to do and make money from. So I kind of was just doing that on the side, not making money from it, offering it to like friends and family who had small businesses, getting my feet wet in the website design world while still at my engineering job. And then eventually I just kind of broke and I was like, yeah, I can't be in this job anymore. I need to work for myself. I can't do the whole 10 days thing. I can't just sit in my chair till five o'clock, even when I don't have anything to do. So then I left my job in 2018 and started doing websites full-time. I had been doing it on the side, like nights and weekends while in engineering. And for friends and family, it was going well. Everyone's like, yeah, this is great. I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) Like hopefully people will really pay me for this. And then, like I said, 2018, I kind of just hit my breaking point and I was like, all right, here we go. Like, let's do it. And I've been doing it since then. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. I I love it. I love this entire story. I just have to go back like to the beginning and think, you know, you and your friends at Applebee's. I love it. It's, it's a, such a good origin story. And I can I can picture it so clearly. And I 100% would have been the friend that was like showing you pictures of my phone and convincing you, like selling you like you need to come yeah. to South America with us. So shout out to those two acquaintances turned into friends that, that got you down there and changed your life. And travel is still, I know, a big part of your business and like your why behind your business as well. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like so much of my business I've kind of built around making sure that yes, I'm working a business, but I'm also doing it for my life. Like I'm doing mm-hmm. it so that I can have this freedom and this flexibility in my actual life. Like I don't have I'm not someone who has these huge million dollar dreams for my business. It's more like I want a business that supports me and that I enjoy so that I can travel and be outside and go out on the lake and do things I like. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's the same for me. And it's so easy to get caught up in like the next business milestone and the growth and everything and lose sight of that vision. It's like, hold on, the reason why we actually started was to do more of the stuff we love, which for both of us is travel. It might not be for everyone, but you know my story and that I also went on the whole life changing uh, trip. Mine happened to be to Southeast Asia instead of South America. But same thing, you meet people traveling and you're like, oh, this is a thing that people do. Like these people are all out here figuring it out. So maybe I can too. And I know in the early stages, you also, you know, look to, you mentioned travel blogging, like you also looked at other women in the space and the online business space for inspiration. So, you know, who were you looking to and like, what type of role did that play, you know, seeing what was possible for you? One of the very first people that I came across, and I honestly think it was through a Facebook ad, um, their names are Cassie and Shay and their business is called the bucket list bombshells. And there are two girls who yes, started, I know them. yeah, there are two girls who started each online businesses and then started working together in a business with one another. And they were building their business from Mexico and Bali and all these other countries. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like a thing. Like here I am learning a little bit about websites and thinking this could be a business, but then they are kind of showing me the digital nomad side of it, where if you do something on your laptop, you can do it from anywhere. And for me with like, now I'm married, but at the time he was my boyfriend and we had two dogs. Like I wasn't going to be globetrotting for six months at a time, but it was just nice knowing that my schedule could be flexible. So, and trips could happen and I could take longer trips. So seeing them was really incredibly inspiring for me and just eye-opening. It was sort of similar to that part of my trip where I'm meeting these people that are telling me, oh, you can take vacations for five months. And now I see these girls and I'm like, oh, I can run a business that's location independent. So they were definitely some of the first, probably the first people that I kind of took note of and took inspiration from. Yeah, I love that. I know them. I know their their brand well, and they've been in the space for a long time, kind of setting that example for people. For me, it was actually uh, Amanda Colby. I don't know if you're familiar with her. So her company's called like yeah. uh, Laptop Lifestyle Co. And she actually turned into my first client. I basically she posted a job for like a blog in Pinterest VA, and I was like. 20 years old, still in university. And I just like applied for this job. And I was like, hey, I have no experience whatsoever in this field, but I think I could do this. And I think I could do it well. And like, you know, you're not going to find someone who's more enthusiastic. And she was like, all right, awesome. Like, you know, let's see what you can do. And <laughs> just went for it. So she took a chance on me and I appreciate that. And like, um, it was so cool to go from kind of watching, you know, other people doing this from the sidelines to then being in it 
yourself. And now I'm sure you have people looking to you as well, thinking like, you know, if Corrine's doing it, I can do it too. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so fun that you, so working with her, I think we talked about this a little bit, but I guess not to turn the question around on you, but like what type of, you, you said you're like kind of getting in her business and working with her and obviously you're copywriting. So you're writing like blogs about her travel experiences or like what she's doing. Yeah, yeah. So she was my very first client. I had no idea what I was doing. And she originally hired me to be a blog and Pinterest VA. Um, and so I was writing the blogs, like travel blogs, which was the dream Yeah. for me. Because I, I also was like, I'm going to start a travel blog. That'll be the answer. And I think you quickly realize there's not a whole ton of money in travel blogging. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is. People do it successfully, but it's usually they have some other type of income stream. Um, but part of this brand did involve writing like, you know, digital nomad guides and, and travel blogs. That wasn't like her primary business, but it was part of it. So it was a ton of fun. And that was how I yeah, eventually transitioned into copywriting and writing, you know, sales copy and launch copy for her as well. But oh gosh, that feels like so long ago. Yeah. But it was a great way to like dip my toe into that whole world. Yeah. So And make your bucket list like way too long, I'm sure. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I always I was lucky in that travel was a part of my life growing up. And so I always had that dream in the back of my head. But like you, it wasn't until I went on that longer trip and then realized like, oh, this is something I can do as an adult because it's a big jump to go from that, you know, STEM field, engineering, science to working online and working for yourself. It's a it's a big 180. And, Yeah. you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're also one of those people that you didn't grow up thinking I'm going to start a business. Yeah. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I think it's important for people because some people do know that from an early age, but I think it's important for everyone listening to know that not everyone feels that way. Like there's so Yep. many different stories and winding paths. Yeah, no, not at all. I had at my school, we actually had a program called the four plus one program, which was for engineers who thought maybe they would want to have some business experience. So you take four years of engineering undergrad plus one year of business, and then you would graduate with an engineering degree and an MBA. And that was really geared towards people who had that entrepreneurial spirit in them. And I was like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Nope. Mm -mm. Like I'm not doing that. <laughs> not for me, <laughs> really like no way. for sure. No. And I think even if I still think if entrepreneurship had been presented to me in that way of you can start your own business, I'd have been like, no, mm -mm. like for me, it's not like this desire to have my own business and grow this large legacy, but it's more of the vehicle to the lifestyle that I want. Exactly. I love that. It's so funny. I had a, the same thing happen to me in university. My program had a similar kind of offshoot that was like combining business and medical science. And my mom really pushed hard. She was like, this sounds so cool. You should do it. Like you'd be so good at the business side. And I was like, that sounds boring as hell. Like, no way. <laughs> I want nothing to do with the business yeah. world. And, you know, here we both, here we both are. But yeah, I just, I love it. And you're such a great example of using your business. Like, I think a lot of people, you know, kind of preach about, you know, using the business to create the lifestyle you want, but you really are living it and you have so many great, like, you know,
we have this really great process where we choose our start date and we choose our end date. And it takes us three weeks typically for like an average website. And by choosing that start date and choosing that finish date and knowing exactly the process. So week one is going to be just building out our homepage. Week two is building out all the other pages. Week three from like Monday to Thursday, we have an unlimited revision window. And then we launch the site together on Friday. So it works really well from a client experience standpoint and a process standpoint, but also to have that freedom and flexibility in my business. It's great because then I can see, okay, I'm working with Laura from this day to this day. And then I have Julie from this day to this day. And then my vacation after that is not going to be bothered. Like that's safe. It's not going to have a project run into it and nothing is going to come up dragging out or conflicting with it because it's just so predictable. So that's one thing that I really, really just love and have been really intentional about working that into my business. A couple other like fun metrics or tools that I've come up with to, again, like make sure I'm doing what I said I'm going to do. Cause a lot of times you set out to have your business be this certain way. And then you get into it and you're like, working hard and trying to achieve all these goals. And then three years later, you look back and it's like, not at all what you had planned. Yeah. And so I think it was a couple of years ago, it was the end of the year and I'm doing all my like number crunching that all good business owners do like tracking your revenue and your expenses and going through all those numbers. And I had this idea to track my days off because when you have a career like in engineering or whatever you're in, your boss tracks that they know like, okay, you've used nine of your 10 days and you in your head, no, I'm going to get that other day. I'm going to use it all. But then when you work for yourself, no one's keeping track of that. So I decided and sort of knew I need to keep track of that. I need to pay attention to that. I need to make sure I'm actually doing the things that say I set out to do. So that's a big one is I have started tracking my days off. And last year I had a goal of taking 40 days off. And I think I did 42, which was, I was pretty happy with. And that's, that's, awesome. that's like Monday to Friday days, like Saturday, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, those don't count. Those <laughs> Weekends are off period. Yeah. yeah that's, a, that's another soapbox, but there's that. And then this year for the first year, I finally implemented what I called summer hours from Memorial day to labor day where I don't work on Fridays. So I was working Monday to Thursday. Oh, fun. Yeah. The summer is like my bread and butter. That's when I hike and when we're trying to get out on the lake on our boat. So I challenged myself to do that and actually successfully did that this summer. So I was pretty happy about that. I love this. I'm so obsessed with this idea of, and it's so smart to treat yourself like almost like an employee of the business and actually track that stuff. Cause like you said, it's easy to say, oh, well, I'm, you know, living the lifestyle I wanted and I could theoretically take time off, but you're not actually doing it in practice. And there's that saying of like, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't measure it and you don't track it, then it's not going to happen. And I think some people might be surprised. Like I, I want to do this next year for sure. I'm going to be implementing that in my business to just see like the numbers because the numbers don't lie. Right. And it's like, are you actually living by yeah. what you said? And for me, like I've been able to take a lot of trips, but I also am working while I'm traveling. And so I'm like, what was the last time I actually took time fully off and I can say like the Mm -hmm. only real vacation I took my first real vacation this year after like three years in business and it was amazing so I'm like I want more of that yes please oh where'd you go 
Um, just up north in Ontario, like I had been doing, you know, the whole globetrotting thing for so long. All my trips are like, you know, a month or two international. And I was like, I just want to go to cottage oh, country that. in Ontario. Ugh. And it had the added benefit of there being zero Wi-Fi and terrible cell service. So I had Ugh. no choice but to totally disconnect. Um, and yeah, we went with the whole family and, and the dog and everyone's like partners and everything, my siblings. So it was really nice. I love that. That sounds so nice. Yes. Okay. So we talked about, you know, hard stops on projects, which I think is another great tip, like an end date. How are you managing? Like I'm assuming, I know you primarily do project-based work, but do you have like rotator clients as well? Like how are you managing sort of like the day-to-day -day work? Like do you have stop times at the end of your day too, or is it more like, you know, project focused? Yeah. I, I typically try to not, it, it's funny because with wanting that flexible schedule, I still have found that routines are helpful for me. So I try not yeah. to work past like four or five o'clock at night. So unless I have something like a large deadline coming up or something that I just fell behind on or something unexpected, I tend to like hard stop by four o'clock at the latest. Sometimes it's a little longer, but very, very rarely. And if I do work after like typical business hours, say I have someone email me and I really need to just get it done so it's off my brain something that I, that has worked really, really well for me is scheduling emails. So if I'm working on a project in off hours, say 10 o'clock at night, I don't want to email my client and have it pop in their inbox and they see, oh, she's working at 10 o'clock at night. I can just email her whenever she wants. It sets the expectation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I might write the email and complete the task because then it's off of my brain but I'll schedule it to send the next morning during business hours so that it doesn't, yeah, like you said, set bad expectations or just an expectation I don't want to set. And for me, I am just a people pleaser to my core. So sometimes I'll like violate my own boundaries. Like people don't ask me to do that. And I'm like, why did I just do that? Like, yeah, I do the same. So that's really helpful for me. I, honestly, it's probably more for me than it is for them to just schedule those emails during work hours. So then in my brain, I'm like, they're not expecting anything from me. I'm working during normal yeah. hours. Yeah, no, that's a good tip. And I hear you on that. I, someone said to me once, like, you know, if you don't respect your own boundaries, then like you can't expect other people to. And I was like, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hear that one. So yeah, yeah, it's like the, it's a continuous struggle is like, because my clients, I've been lucky. I've never worked with anyone that is really, you know, like infringed on those boundaries. Everyone's been very like kind and respectful, which, you know, I guess I've been lucky in that respect. I'm like, no, it's me. Like I am the problem. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I have another, you had asked about monthly retainers. I have one client who sometimes when I have retainer clients, they have consistent ongoing needs. So then they will email me. And then I mentioned to them when I can fit it in my schedule. And that's just kind of the easy breezy way it's worked. And that's been with people who are very flexible and very easy. So that worked really well. Um, and then most recently I've had a retainer client who just needs a lot of little, so say in like a 30 day span, they might have like one to two tiny tasks like every other day, which is a lot of things sort of building up. Like each time you're doing that, it's an email transaction and it's just a lot of time for them to say, can you swap this picture with this picture? And it's pretty constant. Yeah. So for them, what we did is set up something called a design day, which is really, really awesome. So they get 
they pay for a full day of my time. It's the third Wednesday of every month. That's their day. And they have a Google Drive folder I've set up for them. They have a request list that they just fill in. They get the idea. They put it in the request list. They fill it as much as they want. And then on their design date, I go through and I execute it all. So it's really been a great process for the both of us. So they feel like they're getting everything they want. And I feel like I'm able to do it in a focused period of time. So I'm not kind of, I don't remember the actual, it's like context switching. Is that what it's called? Where you're like changing your brain to different tasks constantly and you're super inefficient. So this has just worked really, really well for us. And I'm hoping to implement that with other clients in the future. Right now, they're they're the only one who kind of came up with that. They're like, what if we just had a whole day that was our day? And I was like, brilliant. I love it. Let's do it. Yeah. No, that's so good. I was going to ask if that was them or you that came up with it because I think it is It is brilliant to knock it all out at once, get rid of the task switching and the context switching, and it's good value like for them and for you because you probably get more yeah. done that way, which is just like a win-win on both sides. So I love that. You know, if you're listening to this and you have one of those clients that is, you know, maybe a retainer client or ongoing work and they just kind of, you know, they kind of jump in your inbox like every few days like, oh, and also could you do this yeah. little thing? And then you sort of get into like, oh, do I charge hourly because most of us try to avoid that if you're a service provider you know you don't really want to be charging hourly if you can avoid it so I think the the dedicated day for that client and it's tough too because when they're sending you miniature little tasks and you're like okay I'm charging them hourly but that took me two minutes yeah (laughs) I've had that too you feel weird about charging it at all but then when they're doing it every other day it adds up and it just becomes awkward so I really love, I, I think it was them who came up with that idea and I really love it. It just has worked really well for us. Yeah, no, I think that's like the perfect solution, honestly. And if you can find a client who sees you as that like trusted partner and consultant rather than just like an order taker that they can slide into your inbox whenever they want and get stuff immediately, then, you know, if you can, it kind of switches that whole relationship around too. Um, And like I said, I think it's good Mm -hmm. for the client as well. So give that a go if you're listening and you, and you have that and also let us know, like, I know how it goes. (laughs) Yes. Highly recommend. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your zone of genius, which is website strategy and design. So what I love about your approach is that it's sort of the anti-design first approach, which is what a lot of people do when they think about websites. They're like, I want the design first and we're going to make it beautiful. And they skip the the strategy and the copy and go right to that. And you have kind of like the antithesis of that going on in your business. So do you want to you know tell everyone listening a little bit about your approach, what makes it different and why that's needed in this space? Yeah. So I tackle website, like you had mentioned from a strategy first approach. So there's two aspects to building and creating a website. There's the strategy and then there's the design. And a lot of times, like so often, the strategy is just skipped completely and you jump in into the design, which is the pretty stuff, which everyone wants to jump into. It's the colors and the pictures. And like, I love that stuff too. But the strategy part is the part that actually gets you the results that you're looking for. So the design is kind of that aesthetic visual part that connects with your people and is captivating. But the strategy is the part that converts them. It guides them in through your site and it converts them. So you really want to start with a strategy and the strategy elements that the core one to start with to always, always think about is the goal of your website. 
So a lot of times in starting a website or in creating a website, I've had clients come to me and they say, I want my website to provide information. That's the goal of my website is to provide information. And while that's great and while that's going to happen, you really want your website to do something for you. You don't want it to just sit on the internet, collect dust and do nothing. You really want to be able to confidently send people to your website, knowing that when they get there, they're getting the information that they're looking for. Your website is directing them towards whatever that goal is for you, whether it's getting them to download your lead magnet or getting them to book a discovery call or purchasing a a online course, whatever. Again, like that goal is going to be unique based on your business, but knowing what that goal is, is key to it all. So you want to, before you do any of it, think about what do I want my website to do for me? Is my goal to land more one-on-one clients? Is my goal to shift into education and sell courses? What is that thing for you? And once you have clarity on that part, then you can make sure that your website is set up in a way that's actually going to make that happen. So with that, so that's kind of the, the foundation of the strategy is just make sure you have your goal and make sure that it's action oriented. And then everything else after that is used to guide the person through your site. So having a really clear and concise menu is really, really helpful to guide people through what you have for them. They land there and they don't know what's available. They don't know where to find things and you want to make it easy for them. So again, that is the part of that strategy. It's not the pretty stuff, but it's how this site is built. It's that layout that helps set up your site to then move those people towards the thing that's going to positively affect your business. Yeah. So good. And I want to go back and highlight something you said, which is that it's not enough to just have a goal. I mean, that's a good place to start, but the goal needs to be action oriented. So I go through a similar process when I'm writing copy, website copy for clients and defining the strategy, like what's the goal for your website. And like you said, a lot of people will start with a goal like, well, I want it to make sales for me, or I want to provide information. I want to, you know, build my brand authority, uh, bookmark clients, whatever it is. And it's like, okay, great. That's the starting point. But then what is the specific action you want people to take. So if you want your website to like book you more clients, well, book more clients for what offer? Like what are, what's your order of priorities? Do you want more one-on-one work? Do you want to, like you said, sell courses and start getting into education? Do you want to get them on a sales call, fill out a form? Like there's so many different actions that that could lead to and your, you know, design and layout and your copy, all of that is going to differ based on what that actual end result is. So I think that's really important. Uh, to define not just the goal, but the action-oriented goal, like you said. Yes. Yeah. Like literally there should be a finish line in your website. Yes. You have one. You've reached the end of Yes. Yes. Like your goal of that site is to get people either in your inbox or in your program or whatever that is. And I also, this is totally just a little side note, but I have a very strong opinion that it should not be to get them on your social media. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Please preach. Yeah. A lot of times people want to have their website and everything directs to Instagram. And I'm like, no, like your your Instagram is, it, it comes back to the old statement that people beat into your head that you don't own your Instagram, which I understand Instagram is a great place for connection, but you really want to be sending people from your Instagram to your website 
and then onto your email list or your inbox or something that you have more control over because you don't have control over who sees you on the algorithm. So that's my little, little soapbox <laughs> for the day. I love it. And it should actually, I will double up on that statement and say, this isn't even like, you know, this is straight up my opinion. I'm just going to tell you how it is, is that it should actually be the opposite. And your social media should be driving traffic towards your website and your email list rather than the other yes. way around. So yes, you know, include if you want to embed your Instagram feed at the, the bottom of the page or something like that. I think that's, that's great. And there's nothing wrong with like inviting people to connect with you in different places, but it should not be the yes. main goal or the, the action you want people to take. It should not be follow along Yes, yeah. You spent all this time and maybe even like ad money or just time investment to get people on your site. Don't send them away. <laughs> yeah, you want them to stay there. And yeah. not just, you know, because obviously the longer they spend, the more engaged they'll be, more likely they are to, you know, take action and sign up for a list or something like that. But also because it's good for, you know, the the Google algorithm and, and search engines are looking at how long people spend on your site. So you don't want to be sending, once you get someone there, like Green said, you spent all this time getting them there. You don't want to send them somewhere else. Keep them on the website, keep them engaged once they're there and and make the most of that traffic. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I want to get into the weeds here a bit about website strategy. What are, you feel like, some common mistakes or maybe like areas of the website that people tend to overlook? Yeah, we alluded to some of them already. So there's kind of those two different buckets that I had talked about where you have your strategy, which is your layout, and then you have your design, which is the visuals. So there's a few different levers you can pull in each of those categories. So the strategy is that those foundational pieces that guide and convert people through your site. So like we mentioned, having an action-oriented goal, that's one of the biggest things that people just miss. They don't have that. They don't have, you go to your web, go to someone's website and you don't know what you're supposed to do. You're just looking at it, scrolling, and you're like, okay, this is nice, but like, what do I do? So not having a goal, is a big place that I see people get tripped up. Um, another one is your menu. A lot of times people put all the things in the menu. And I think it comes from a place of just wanting to make sure everyone has everything that they need, which is great. Like we're giving people, we're trying to help, but that's actually really overwhelming. So we don't want to put every single page of our website in the menu. I try to limit it to about five menu items. And that could be your homepage, which you could even make your logo, like a clickable logo for your homepage, your about page, services, like case studies or testimonials, a contact page, and then maybe a blog or podcast or a free download. But you really don't want to put all the things in the menu because there's studies that show that the more items you have in your menu, the less people do anything. They see it and they're overwhelmed and they're like, yep, yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> it's actually, yeah, it's, it's the paradox of choice. And it's not just your website, you know, for anyone, if you're writing an email or like a social media caption, that's why you always stick to one call to action is because the more options you give people, the more likely they are to choose none of the above. Yes. And I actually had a really good friend of mine call me out on this the other day which I so appreciate. I was putting together a new proposal template and I have a slide for payment plan options. And I was like, payment plan options, like three payments or sorry, two payments, three payments or four payments. And she's like, do you feel like that's too many choices? And I was like, you might be right. <laughs> but it's so I true. Love that. We need those people. Yeah. But that's a big one. And that's so easy to fix yeah, too. Like the menu fix. is just so easy to fix. And then 
making sure your menu is clear and concise too. So for example, your contact page should say contact, not like let's be friends yeah, or a lot too. some mystery and kind of connected to that. So those are your menu items, but also buttons. Button copy. Yes, buttons are really, really important. Primarily, I just see people forgetting them all together. Like you go through their page, yep. you get to the bottom and there's nothing there. And you're like scrolling around like, where am I supposed to go next? Yeah, yes, yes. Too. You kind of want to treat your people a little bit like a distracted squirrel. That's me. And I know because I am the user. I am the distracted squirrel. So, <laughs> Yes. Yes. You want to make sure you have that button leading them to the next thing. So having this path through your site where on your homepage, I kind of refer to your homepage as your springboard into all yep. the different things. So you might have an about section, a brief service summary section. And in each of those sections, you have that button to your services page, your about page, just moving people to those pages. And then on those pages, also making sure you have those buttons that are leading people to the next thing, because you get to the bottom of the page. And if there's nothing there, they're like, okay, like I have nothing else to do here. And then the other with the buttons, make sure they're standing out like visually, they should pop and be obvious. And they also need to be clear. So I don't remember who used this analogy, but someone said the buttons are kind of like a door. And the reason being is people are more likely to open it if they know what's on the other side. So with a button, making it clear where they're going, not this like cutesy abstract statement. And people are like, well, what does that what's going to happen when I click yeah. this? And then they don't click it because they're not clear on that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love the door analogy. That's so good. And it is really true. People, you will see an increase in conversions if you just straight up say what it is. Like don't, like you said, don't try to be cutesy. Don't make it clever. Always go for clarity. And if you can make it, you know, if it's in a, a section on your page, if you can make your button kind of echo whatever the headline of that section is. So if it's like about you, then the button should Ooh. be, it should mirror that. It should say like, you know, more about me or like, you know, read my story whatever it is if the headline is something about your story the button should also include that that's an easy fix you know to like Karine said go in yeah. there make your buttons pop you know jazz up the copy a little bit make sure it's super crystal clear what they're getting because people won't click you'd be surprised they'd be yeah. like well what's gonna happen am I like am I buying something here like where is this gonna take yes mm-hmm yep and then one other thing just to add to our list um in so those are somewhat strategy bucket items that are really easy, like layout wise to fix the buttons could kind of be designed to. Um, but in the design side, the biggest, biggest thing is white space. So many people are afraid of it. I think the more, the better. I think we all need a little more white space in our lives. <laughs> I agree in our lives, like metaphorically. <laughs> I think it stems from when we were kids and you had to write reports and everything had to be single line space all the way to the edge of the page, like super tight and full. So <laughs> I think so people true. work on their websites and they see empty space and they feel this urge to just put something in it. I have to fill it. I can't have it be empty. But really white space is so, so powerful to help people focus and know what to do. And if you can do anything, just increase your white space and it's going to make a huge difference. 
Yes, that is such a good tip. And I love how like actionable these are. Like none of these are overly, you know, complicated or crazy things you need to go in and spend hours doing. Like they're relatively easy tweaks that you can make yourself, you know, in a couple hours to your website. Go clean up the nav bar, check your button coffee, Mm -hmm. make sure it's clear, add a little more white space. That was one thing I noticed and have learned the hard way in like DIYing some design stuff, then working with a designer and I was like, oh, like I had way too much, way too much on the page. And that white space makes all the difference. It's a better experience. And like you said, it's really clear where to go if there's a bit more space. Yeah, it's really helpful. A really good like test for your white space is within like one screen frame. So if you're looking at your page, you should only be able to see one button at a time like one call to action. You don't want to have conflicting calls to action near each other, unless the the one exception would be if you have what I call a splash page for services where you're putting like service A, B, and C side by side for a comparison purpose, then that's okay, obviously, to have buttons because they're self-selecting and they're navigating. But that's more of a navigational area. Whereas throughout your site, you don't want to have three different calls to action in one screen because then people are like having that decision paralysis again. Yeah, think of the squirrels. I love that <laughs> the metaphor. Jay, you're honestly yes. not even in like a patronizing way. Like, let's just be real. None of us have yeah. longest attention spans. It's kind of like when you tell people like with copy, you want it to be somewhat skimmable, super easy to read, lots of lots of white space. And it's like, just think of us all as squirrels and we'll all be better off. Yeah. <laughs> Kareen, I could chat with you all day about websites and in travel and all of the things, but I want you to tell everyone about a really exciting offer you have for those people who are DIYing the website, or maybe they worked with a designer in the past, but they know they need to kind of freshen things up and make these changes, but they're feeling overwhelmed. So do you want to tell everyone about your audit offer? Yeah. So I perform what I call a strategic website audit, and they are for people who are looking at their site and revamping it or overhauling it just isn't in the budget, whether financially or time-wise. And they know like something needs to change. Something needs to improve. It's not doing what it should be. So if you have a website and it's up and it's kind of just collecting dust, not doing anything, this is a great option because what we're going to do is based on your goals, that's the key is based on your goals. I go through your website and make those recommendations on small things to change that are going to make a big impact. So we're not going in and creating whole new sales pages and saying, redo everything. Instead, I'm making suggestions as to, okay, your menu has 15 things. Here are the five things I recommend we do. Here's how we should structure that. Or here's an area of your site that you could spread out a bit more, like break this section into a few sections so that we have more white space, so that our call to action is more clear. Um, And then also just making sure that path through your website. So what we had talked about, those buttons leading towards that finish line, making sure that path is actually in place. So our distracted squirrels are all ending up where we want them to be. So they're such easy changes. The goal of the audit is small changes that are gonna make a big impact. So you don't have to redo the whole thing from scratch in order to get yourself in a place where your website's helping you and doing more of the heavy heavy lifting that it should be doing. Yeah, 
So good. And this is such a great opportunity for people to get your brain. And you are one of those like rare people who is gifted both, you know, analytically on the, you know, conversion optimization and layout and the strategy side, but also creatively, like from a design perspective, yeah. you, know, you get both of those perspectives with Corey. So definitely check that out. I will make sure the links in the show notes as well for everyone. Yeah. Thank you. It's a blast too. It's, it's so fun. <laughs> awesome. Okay. We are going to start to wrap things up with our savor and celebrate bonus round. Are you ready for this? Yes, I'm ready. Awesome. Okay. Corrine, what is one thing you are savoring right now? Right now I am savoring a slower season in business because I have a monsoon of projects coming up. So I'm just kind of slowing down and working on things that I've been wanting to work on, but haven't had the space to work on and having less hours in the day I'm spending on work. So I'm just kind of trying to soak that in while it lasts because it doesn't happen often, but when it does, I'm like, okay, let's chill. <laughs> it's so nice. And it's so good that you're taking the time to appreciate that now because a lot of times we don't until it's over. And I know I'm in a bit of a monsoon season right now and I'm like, oh, that was so nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just chilling out and, and soaking it in. It's nice to, you know, go from, mm -hmm. from one to the other. Okay. Secondly, what is your favorite way to celebrate? I, for years now, my husband and I, I don't know where we got this from, but we celebrate with pizza and wine and it's like the simplest thing ever, but it's a classic. I love it. Like I love pizza. We love a bottle of wine. We pass it back and forth. We don't use glasses because we're barbarians apparently. <laughs> what um, are you, are you just drinking out of the bottle? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I love this. So it's a, it's a whole vibe. Um, and we don't even like, we're not even big wine drinkers or even drinkers, but when we are able to have a pizza and wine night, it's, it just is a special celebration for us. I love it. What kind of wine are you drinking? We're more of uh like sweet wines, like Moscato Riesling. Yeah. But I feel like as we, as we get older, as it always happens, we're getting a little further away from the sweet, sweet, but still the dry is far too dry for me. So. Yeah. I am still like, if a child were to drink wine, that would be my taste in wine. Like I <laughs> drink the sweetest. It's like basically yeah, great. Give me juice. all the sugar. <laughs> yeah. Give me the sugariest, like sparkliest wine you have. But I never even drank wine, like fun fact, until I went to Portugal this year. Oh. And the Portuguese, I will say, are, are big wine enthusiasts and they have great wine. So um, if you haven't tried Vino Verde, give it Ooh, a shot. I'm going to write that Very down. Sweet. <laughs> yes, the Portuguese green wine. Very sweet. Highly recommend for anyone else with childish alcohol taste. <laughs> Which just sounds like a bit of a, a questionable statement. But you know I love I mean. it. Okay, last question. What's a win that you've celebrated recently? It can be big, small, personal, or business. Yeah. Um, I actually celebrated a big business win recently. We had mentioned earlier in the podcast, I'm not someone who strives for like this million dollar business, but this year actually uh let's see i think it was november 4th so a few days ago i hit a hundred thousand dollars in 2023 of this year oh my gosh congratulations yeah that was the first time and that was like a huge growth from last year so i mean just in the sake of business transparency and numbers last year i had about seventy six thousand dollars in yeah, my jump. in my year so then to hit a hundred by 
November was like really unexpected and awesome. So I'm trying to, even though revenue has never been a big marker of success for me, I'm still trying to be like, okay, celebrate that, like make that a thing. So we actually had a pizza night for that last week. <laughs> pizza and wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. Well, first of all, congratulations. And I love, you know, what you said. I do think, you know, even if revenue is not, like you said, it's not the primary marker of success. It's not why you're doing this. It's not the, the main motivation, but that is absolutely still worthy of celebrating and a huge, huge deal and huge accomplishment. Yeah, so thank you. So excited for you. Thanks. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you again so much for this conversation. I have loved chatting with you. I know our listeners are going to love it as well. So make sure you tell everyone where can they connect with you? Where can they find out more about your offers? Any other resources you want to share? Well, thank you for having me. This is a blast. My cheeks hurt from smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. But you can find me on my website at corinnepettit.com. And then I also have a homepage blueprint which is really awesome. It's going to kind of talk about that slash the the springboard that I talked about earlier, where you lay out the sections of your homepage, kind of knowing what to include, where to put your buttons that's in there. So you can find that on my website as well at coreenpettit.com slash blueprint. And that's a free download. Awesome. And that is such a great resource for people. Homepages are tricky. So make sure you you go and check that out as well. Make sure all the links are in the show notes for people. Thank you again for joining me. I had so much fun. Thank you for having me. It was nice to talk. Hey, Trailblazer, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you found this episode helpful, would you do me a favor and help spread the word? Share it with a friend, tell your mastermind group, take a screenshot and post it on stories. I'm at copybymeg on Instagram. If you want to tag me or just come say hi, I would love to hear from you. Until next time, remember, fortune favors the bold, but success favors the stubborn. Keep going, girl. You got this.